This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Goal, start it up. All right, guys. I'm here with Jose Cruz, uh, made famous from the, um, the Sony uh, consumer-grade TV RGB mod video. That's uh, <laughs> That has some of the most... It's in, like, the top five of the most hits. Really? Yeah. Thank you again for that, by the yeah, way. No problem. Um, I'm just glad nobody got electrocuted over Yeah, there. it's because you know it was going to be me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're here at iFix Arcade. It's a little noisy, but you know what? That's how it's supposed to be. You know? It's fucking... That's why I love this place. You have people playing, people having fun. We're having everybody right in the shot right here for it. So that's uh, it's what I love. But I want to jump right in to the fun one first. We'll get to the good stuff after, but I want the fun one. What was the first RGB mod you did on a TV? And like, like how did you how did you just feel okay doing that, knowing? Because, you know, you knew what you were doing going into it, meaning you understood the risk, you understood everything else. But um, what was the first one? The first one I did... Um I think we had it here until recently, but um, we sold it to that guy, Will, because we weren't using it anymore, because we had more modern setups set up. And um, I wasn't uncomfortable jumping into it, because I had already worked on so many cabs already, on CRTs on the cabs, so... Oh, yeah. So, like, it it wasn't really intimidating going in it. I already knew how to discharge a, a tube properly. I already made my own discharge tool. Don't buy those things that cost, like, 100 bucks. You could just get a screwdriver and a high resistance uh, resistor yep. and a high gauge cable and ba- basically make sure you insulate the handle where the thing is connecting. But I that's remember it. Uh, when we did that, we bought a long screwdriver from Lowe's, some cheap, yeah. cheap like $2 thing. A flathead. Uh, you that's scored it. it up to make sure there was no like uh, no plastic coating over it or anything. Then you, when you took, uh, we took speaker wire. But you fanned heavy, it out. Heavy gauge, yeah. Yeah, heavy gauge, but you fanned it out. So it covered more, like, so if this beer bottle was the thing, you didn't just wrap it around one side. You fanned it out so the wire covered it, so more surface area was touching across. And then you checked, uh, you definitely checked it with a multimeter well, to make sure. Uh, I mean, I had stories where uh, when I first did the tube transplant for Steve, um, not tube transplant, when I recapped this first chassis before mm-hmm. doing the tube transplant, I discharged the tube like two, three times, you know, the usual, and and um, I did the recap. It took me like, it was my first like chassis recap, so I took maybe like two, three hours, and the tube charged back up. We're talking about like I discharged it several times. Oh. It didn't shock me while I was discharging several times. But somehow it just it just gather up more charge. I don't know if it was static or whatever. But it wasn't a heavy shock. It was just like like you know like a static. It zap. was enough to startle you though. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, what the hell? Takes. Like three like three hours, and now you shocked me. It was like it was like, hey motherfucker, I still got something here for you, you know? See, but- I have a long history with electrocution. My first, I remember, I, I was vivid memory. It's one of my earliest memories. I must have been three or four years old. 
my mother kept telling me, like, don't put your wet hands when you wash your hands. Don't put them next to the light socket. But why do us asshole Americans make it look like a smiley face? Looks like two slit eyes and a smiling mouth. So one time I was just like, I don't, you know, I'm touching it with my hand. I'm like, I don't understand what's wrong with my mom. You know, wow. like three-year-old me, and I touched it and got zapped. And it was every couple of years since. There was one, like, weird-looking plug on the floor when I was in third grade. And I was like, what is that? And I went to touch it. And you know when sometimes when you get electrocuted, you stick to it? Yeah, you so get like, stuck. When I touched up against the wall, like it kind of zapped me back. But yeah. I, for like you a get good stuck, four yeah. or five seconds, which is a long time when you're in pain, four or five oh, seconds. Oh, yeah. I mean, usually when people get stuck like that, you have to hit them with, with something non-conductive to get them off. Oh, yeah. When I was in the, in the lab where we used to make um, uh, medical-grade computers, we did a lot of open-frame power supply work. And, you know, you get a wall shock like that. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like a, a CRT tube. But I told everybody, and the first time I told everybody, they laughed. Not the engineers. They already knew this. The, like, the new guys. Like, if you ever see any of us stuck to it, you kick us with the bottom kick of your yeah. shoe. Yeah. Don't, you don't grab us. No. You don't fucking, you know, do, because you both are going to tap on You both were going to do the electric you know, boogie. Stuck yeah. to each other, electrocuted. You're I, supposed to kick them. And there were many times, like there was, a, I mean, this is probably a bad story to tell, but there was one time I came in really hungover. It was out with customers one of those nights, and I walked in and I went, um, who fucking burnt themselves? And one guy was like, <laughs> just <laughs> raised his hands. Like, no open frame power supplies before 10 a.m. I cannot smell burning flesh. I'm going to throw up. This is just... <laughs> and that was it. it. It hurts. That's a funny smell, too. It is. I don't like that. It's funny. Like, I love violence in video games. Mortal Kombat, you know, the first time I saw Sub-Zero grab that guy's head and pull his head and spinal cord out... I couldn't stop laughing. That didn't bother you, but the smell love, of burnt flesh? Love fake violence. Real violence, real burning flesh? No, not, not for me. Can't I don't, deal with it? I fought my way home enough as a kid that I just want to smile, eat my chicken rolls, drink my beer. No, you know, I don't want real violence. I don't want nobody set on fire. And I sure as hell don't want to be working on a tube with somebody and watching nah, you, you really Now, even, even when you get to the point where you're comfortable doing that type of stuff, you always have to remind yourself not to be too complacent because that yeah. day where you're like, I've done this shit a million times, that's the day you're going to get shot. That's exactly much. right. And that's why a lot of these people that post on our videos or right. say things like, oh, it's not that big a deal, it's totally safe, you should just... Nah, just just like, yeah. you you can't drive the, the point enough because, I mean, on that anode cap, there's 20 plus K bolts, so that, yeah. could do, that could do some damage. Like, I've never been shocked by an anode like an actual shot because i was at the beginning when i started doing it i was like everybody else i read and read and read and i was terrified and then finally got the courage to do it and i was just triple double checking and everything yeah but once you get into it it's it's if you've done it many times yeah it's it gets less harrowing but you still have to not be yeah not absolutely. be complacent because You'll get hurt. And I think the bottom line for me is, right, you know, we talk about modding all the time. We talk about the stuff we do. We always encourage people to do their own mods. Really, at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could happen to somebody that messes up an RGB mod on their Super Nintendo? Not much. They, they ruin just... their Super Nintendo. Like, really, that's it. Yeah, but there's, that's no, no voltage that's going to kill no. them. No. So that at the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen is, like, you lose some money. Whereas, even though it might not be likely, the worst thing that could happen, what if somebody has a heart problem they don't even know Stop about? Stop your heart. You could yeah. die. So yeah, that's why I always I'm extra cautious telling people about that because why? Zach, why? That's that why. Risk? That's why Zach doesn't uh, advise people on RGB modding TVs anymore, right? Oh yeah, he's, he's gotten more vocal about, about that lately yeah. too because he just he doesn't. It's a little scary. He understands the consequences of. Plus, I know when you guys spoke about the guy that 
licks oh. the finger. That's another one, right? Yeah, and you know what? Maybe that guy is a true expert. Maybe that guy He's knows exactly times, which yeah. one. He, he knows he could feel the voltage. Yeah, out. but passing but passing that to like a, a layman right. puts his finger in the wrong place and yeah, that, irresponsible. Goodbye. That's yeah. all it is. It's like back in the day when when hard drives used to be really loud and noisy. I could tell you what brand hard drive was in a computer when I walked by it. I still wouldn't tell anybody like, oh well, if you hear this sound, go buy this thing. Like. You know, don't you got to be careful. Even if you're an expert, you got to understand if you put this stuff publicly and you give people the wrong instructions. Yeah, you, you might just cost somebody their life. Yeah, so. I feel you. So, how did you get started in all this from the beginning? Because that, I realized after well, I asked from the, the question, it was kind of stupid. Of course, you worked on arcade monitors. That's why you weren't from afraid the, to work on TV. Well, from the beginning, it was. Uh, I mean, if I really go back to the beginning, I was always interested in how things work, how to fix things. When I was a kid in Puerto Rico, I used to, I mean, I don't even remember, but my mom used to tell me you used to fix your little cousin's bikes and stuff like that. So you were one of those kids that would just take apart everything, right? Pretty much. And then when I got back, when I got here, then my whole interest in gaming and uh, arcades, and also then I went to uh, a school, but I never really went into that field because I had already had a daughter. And I told you the story. I was working at Costco. Yeah, yeah. So and I graduated. How old were you, though? How old were you when you came I was, here? like, maybe, like, 24. No, when you came from Puerto Rico to Oh, here. when I came from Puerto Rico, I came in 96. I must have been, like, maybe 12. 12 years something old? Something like that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm always fascinated by this stuff. Because, you know, I grew up in very different neighborhoods. But it was all in America. All around, you know. I had family that spoke, uh, it's a long story, but a weird dialect of like Greek and Romanian mixed. So I was always around people that barely spoke English or spoke two languages. But right. for me, it was always so easy. You just wake up and you speak. Like, what, you know, like going through, like, coming, like you were the kid that took apart everything. I'm assuming you're in Puerto Rico, so you're speaking Spanish. Yeah. And you come to America and it's like, you're still well, taking I already apart. Well, still... I already knew a little bit of, um, I had already learned some English because, uh, in Puerto Rico, you have what's called like the Winter League, Baseball Winter League. So a lot of major leaguers, when it ends here, they go out there to play. Yeah, so, so I used it's to not sneak spring into training. The, it's where they yeah, would go to practice before the winter spring league. training. So I used to sneak into the park, and I used to freaking broken English talk to these guys. And I remember I have a funny story about that because one of the guys gave me, um, I saw that he had chewing tobacco, and I was like, I was talking to him, and I was like, oh, let me get some. And he's like, nah, 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 you can't. And then finally he relinquished, but he told me, Jose, for anything you do, don't swallow, right? Just spit it out. <laughs> first thing I fucking do when I build saliva, I swallow it by instinct. And that was the first time I felt high in my life. Like, oh, God. I was like, you know how you have the railings? I yeah. was hanging onto the railings to get to the bathroom because I was that. But um, I already knew a little bit of English when I got here. And more or less to defend myself. And then once I got into the to console stuff. Yourself. Well, to defend myself, meaning like speak you know, well enough to be able to get around. And oh, that's what right, I mean right. by it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I started collecting consoles because back then, you know, I was poor as hell. I used to go to a friend's house in Puerto Rico and he had just recently moved back because I was living with my grandfather and he was one of those kids that he had everything, like in the basement, he had a collection of games and everything. But if you beat him, he would kick you out. So I used to like let him win on purpose. So that feeling when I got here, I started working and that's how I started amassing my collection. And then I got into fixing my own consoles and modding them. And it's, it's a shame because I never got into that career of electronics, even though I graduated well enough like with like a 3.85. But like I told you, I had a kid already so wait, working in Costco. To, um, so I went to uh, wait, a couple uh, of questions technical here, institute. You, you just skipped by a couple of things. So when you came here, you started 
uh, you started your collection. So do you my collection? I was still in high school and everything. Everything. I have everything. I don't sell my stuff. I got rid of everything. I got. There used to be a flea market. I don't know if anybody watches this from New York. There used to be a flea market in Coney Island when they still had the old train station, and it went all the way from the train station all the way up to the aquarium. And this was little bazaars, but everybody had totes full of games. And all the owners were either old Arab dudes or old Spanish ladies. They didn't know shit about gaming. So you're talking about a lot of my games, I still have prices on them for $2 that are worth like Metal Warriors. I bought it for two bucks. It's like a $250 game now. That's awesome. I love looking at it and be like, yeah, I didn't pay regular <laughs> price. And then I just close the drawer back because I don't feel like digging through all that oh, shit to that's play. Incredible. That's why I got the EverDrives. But more or less, to be honest with you, once I got out of, um, I went to TCI. I so graduated. you went to tech school. You actually went for um, electrical yeah, engineering yeah. and everything? Electrical engineering and networking, double major. Graduated, never pursued it because I was already working. Basically, in my head, I was already working a good job. I was working at Costco. I was a forklift driver. I was already there for like a, a year and a half, almost two. I have vacation time, sick time, and I have a, yeah. a newborn kid. So I didn't want to give that security up to try to go into the field because it's, yeah. a, it's a hard field to get into IT or whatever. And then when you get in it, you got to take a pay cut. So I, I didn't want to do that. And then I just left this whole thing as a side thing. And I've been fixing consoles. Um, the owner of this place knows, he'll tell you. Um, when we were friends going to high school, I was the one that they all came to to mod their consoles. That's how I got my soldering skills because I pretty much started with PS2 and that's one of the hardest Yeah, so I got two questions about that then. So first, can you talk a little bit about the consoles you modded when you were a kid and the mods? And oh, then yeah. the people from New York that, so, that are still around. You're going to talk about both of those. So things. the console mods, before I got into RGB, I'd done a bunch of them. I, well, more, more than mods, I'd done, at first I did repairs, which was basically... Um, switching out power supplies if they were broken down or recapping consoles i was doing that back then mm -hmm. and then when i got what into when i got into rgb wow i recapped nes's back then but i used to do it the lazy way back then i didn't have a 808 so now i do how did you do it back then did you cut the, the lazy off way yeah the metal yeah, the metal yeah, yeah. yeah the metal yeah. i used to have to do the metal and then I used to have a hand, a hand pump, so I used to have to add a lot of solder to the original, um, to the original one, because obviously it's over 20, like it's old solder. Yeah. So to, to, I used to mix in more solder into it and then just use the, you know, the hand, the hand pump pretty much. But when I really got into modding, I gotta be honest, besides repair was PS2. And then RGB what a everything. hard console to work on. Just taking it apart is complicated. I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, even Boltar could tell you if he, if he started when he started, you learn by mistake. You go and you buy the wrong iron that's like freaking a thousand watts or whatever. You burn a hole on your board. <laughs> then you buy another system. Then you start the looking opposite. up. I bought the wood burner thinking it was a soldering wow. gun. Remember the Weller and then, thing? Like, yeah. And then the, the, then the only proper solder, if you still look them up, I started investigating, like, yeah, definitely this iron is too hot. Because I'm like, even if I stand there for a short time, I was pulling pads and everything. So I got rid of that Weller iron. And then I, um, I started looking into forums and stuff. And I saw that a lot of people were using this. Um, it was a simple. It wasn't temperature control, but it was only 15 watts. And it was called uh, Antec, was the company. Yeah, Antec yeah. or something like that from UK. Mm -hmm. All the soldering irons are yellow. And it had interchangeable tips, so you could use a fine tip. And then I started learning the small, like... The small things that you did, for example, like on the PS2, when you were soldering uh, BIOS pins that were really close to each other, you would get some, um, 
uh, putty or whatever you what is it uh, play doh whatever yeah and then you would get uh you know the the straight racers yeah that they they break off to put in in a in a straight razor you would use those you would put the putty you put the straight racer between the two pins that you were going to solder so more or less it would insulate them from each other and then you will come and you will solder that pin obviously before that you would um what you do is with a fiberglass pen you would go lightly over all the pins that you were going to solder because in the fabric they cover it with lacquer to prevent oxidation or whatever so yeah. you would hit that and then you would pre-thin your wire and yeah and then the blade would go in between and it was easy then because all you would do is once your wire is pre-thin the point is prepared you just lay it there and you just pretty much just tap in it and it'll the flux does the rest of the work for you but I had to learn I'm the hard way. I'm shaking my like head because I've, I I've worked on PS2. Way, like Those are some small pins. Yeah, that after you're you do it a whole bunch of times, and then I learned the value of after learning all that, then I learned, oh shit, I just modded this. All the points are fine, but it's not completely working. It's not booting, let's say, PS2 backups. And then you will go back and you will look at the points that are related to the PS2 backups. And if those were fine, then what you had to do is. You had to go and see. Then you had to go and see if your routing was good. That's when I learned how to route the wires, because it's not only important to just connect point A to B, but you have to do it neatly and route it to avoid noise on the lines and do it as short as possible. Yeah. So it, it took me that. It took me having the bad iron burning a hole, getting the right iron. And that the really is why all you all you fucking experts make it look like artwork, where you have all yeah, the but pins it, 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 come it, across yeah, like but it that. Doesn't come, it doesn't come. How do you say, like, showing those pictures doesn't show the work behind that. I'm glad, like, Voltar made a video so then you can show people what it is to actually route all those how wires. How and how careful And then you have to be. find the right type of glue. I'm still bugging uh, Voltar, by the way, because he keeps telling me that they don't make that fucking glue anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, I want that fucking glue because... I, I don't think I, they do, actually. I have glue, but it leaves a residue, and it pisses me off. The wires look neat, but it has, like, a little whitish residue yeah. look. And I want it to look, like, clear, like art, you know, so I could freaking display it. But um, other yeah, than but that, that was one thing when I first started modding that I truly didn't understand. And that, the routing, um, a lot of these that really look like artwork. Yeah, it's very cool to have something look as good on the inside as on the outside, like Steve but Jobs said. But there's the science behind it. Yeah, I the told you, shorter, the routing, the shorter, the, shorter, the lines, um, and also sure when you run around yes. certain components, so there's uh -huh. no interference. With the you got to curve around certain components that are highly like have a lot of noise, and then also like you learn what type of wires to use for what job. Obviously, if you use 30 gauge for your data lines, you're not gonna use 30 gauge for power and ground. You gotta use something heavier, like right. a 22 or whatever, to do the, the ground and the power. Yeah. So, but I mean, I tell you, Bob, once you could mod PS2s like that, every other type of soldering becomes easier because now you work with the smallest things you can work like that board you gave me to build is a pain in the ass but not so much for Renee's me is triple bypass genesis board it's not yeah. it's not so bad for me because i already built the cps one thing which i haven't gotten around to fixing the chip and then i did a cps2 uh, digital board i'm going to build another one the two for for tech and i mean but i'm i, I notice i am getting older because before i was it's not that my hands shake but before my my sight was better now i feel like i got a really concentrate to get in there it sucks in though, it's 603 it? yeah it sucks but it's 603 man those 603 uh, uh form factor like the small they're small like yeah. you have to like actually quite funny you have to make sure that your um 
Nito knows pliers are not magnetized because I made the mistake, right? And I used the magnetized one and I'm trying to hold down, right? And when I'm gonna go tap and I move the freaking thing, comes the whole cap it. comes up and I'm like, motherfucker. But yeah, more or less. And if you use flux, man, I cannot tell you how, how important the flux is. It makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it took, for something so cheap, you know, it's it's, it's pretty very, cheap. It's very rare that I like I, I'm embarrassed about something because you know you you learn from your mistakes. Right. Nobody's perfect. But my buddy Phil, years ago, when I before I, retro RGB was even a website, it was still a Google Doc. Was like, what kind of flux do you use? I was like, what the fuck is flux? And he, he'd always make fun of me about that. And I it took like a year before Dude. I just went out and bought it. It was like ten bucks. It's even yeah, it's super cheap. And yeah. then you have different times, right? Like you, you got different types. Like you got BGA flux, which is for uh, it's for ball grid array. So you know when you reball a, um, a PS4 and you put the new balls in or whatever, the BGA flux is the one that you use. It has viscosity, so it holds the chip in place and it kind of slides into place when you put it into the rework station. Then you got the liquid. I started using the liquid type now because it's less of a mess to clean. I was using it. I bought a, a little thing like this. But my friend has like a gallon, so I'm gonna go to his house and refill or whatever, because I'm running out, but that's what I've been using. Yeah. And it helps a lot too, because what I do is, is once I place that 603 on there, I put a drop, and then all I do is I put, I put the, the tweezer in the middle of it, holding it down, and then I give it a tap on one side with solder, boom, and then I go over to the next side, and done. I can't wait to see that board working though, like, it's a lot of little parts, and they're very close together. That's not for everybody to do. No, it's I, that's definitely why not for you. everybody to do. Those parts are like, like very tight. I, I have no problem with 603, but when 603 is like this close to another 603 or, yeah. or, or to a, a, a freaking cap, a big cap, like a 10 yeah. microfarad, like SMD cap. I know yeah. a lot of people that just bake those boards. They have like the toaster ovens converted. They bake the boards. And then you they, can bake uh, them. them. I, I could have done hot air. But adding, uh, first of all, I don't have a stencil for it because it's much easier applying the paste. You can pass that. Yeah. Applying the paste with a stencil than it is, say, um, doing a freehand. Going to each little square and doing a freehand. And yeah. then I, I, could, I could totally do it with a, I, I might try it. You gave me five boards. I might try doing one where I put paste in all the spots, drop all the components, and just like, Put the freaking uh, hot air gun to super duper slow flow because if you put it fast, you blow the parts right, off. Right, yeah, I mean, and that then mistake. just have the patience to. <laughs> but the first one I'm not gonna do like that. It's too much trouble. I'd rather do the first one by hand. And a lot of people are asking me already. And I told you, you gave me five. You want me to install you two? The other ones I'm gonna give away. So I'm gonna install for two other guys who are like Sega fanatics. They're the ones that be looking at the bottom of the Genesis two and see if it's half a motherboard to get the BA four. Hell so yeah. I'm going to do it for you. Those are the people that I would rather give it to because they would appreciate it and they'll give me feedback like real, hey, Jose, this. And then yeah. you can pass it on to Rene or whatever. Absolutely. But I'm excited to do it on the Genesis 3. If I get home early enough tonight, I should be able to finish it. I mean, as you saw, I'm almost done. I just got yeah. a couple of more components. I got to flip the, the tantalum, though, because, you know, I got confused by the line. Line means negative, you know, yeah, it's not so positive. Funny. So Rene on those boards tried to mark it so that... Uh, you match the mark on the tantalum capacitor with the mark on the board, 
thinking that he was doing some people a favor. And in most cases, he would, because it's easy to align. But when you have people that understand that tantalum caps are marked positive, where most of the other the line caps is positive on the are tantalum. marked negative. So I thought that the line on the PCV meant negative. I knew that the line on the tantalum meant positive, so I went the opposite way. It was like, okay, well, so if we put a line here, he's telling me that that's the negative side, <laughs> so I must face the tantalum's line the opposite way. And that's so funny. So that, I got to flip that when I get that's home. That's one of those I'm things going to make glad. it easier for beginners, but confuse experts. That's like, yeah. yeah it's, but it's cool. I, I can't wait to finish it and then just pass it on to you so you can do a review or whatever. So when uh, we talked before, you mentioned some of the people, some of your friends. Some of your friends when you were in high school are some of the New York like hardcore arcade scene yeah. right now. They're the same people. Like, yeah. Who did you meet back then? So back then, this is pretty much what happened. I was friends with Chris, the owner, Hayato, and we used to work together at McDonald's, and we used to not That's eat. you guys met at we McDonald's? Used to, yeah, yeah. We used to not, and Julio, we used to not eat on breaks, because there was a mom and pop arc, um, game store called uh, Circle, Circle 2, right across the street. So we would go in there, and we would see what the hot shit was. So more or less, we used to play fighting games together on the consoles. So... This is a funny story because um, I used to be a big fan of, uh, I don't know if you used to buy VHS tapes uh, with, the, with the dub, where the, it was like the Chinese martial arts dub where they were still talking. Like the, it, the, the lips were still moving and, and the English dub was done. I had a whole so, bunch of um, martial arts like Bruce Lee style yeah. ones like that. So yeah. my, favorite, my favorite was Drunken Master. So it just so happened one day we crossed the street on our break to go see. And they were playing the demo of Virtual Fighter 4 on PS2. And Sean D was doing everything that I saw in my favorite movie. So I was like, we're buying that game. We bought it on the spot. We took it home. Uh, Chris, Julio, and I started playing. And, you know, I was winning a lot. I thought I was hot shit. So back then, I, I, I was the first one to have a computer because I built it myself out of crap. I found, like, compact in the garbage. Sure, and I would take the memory. Friend, yeah. So, whatchamacallit. So, <laughs> more or less... We start playing the game. I'm, I'm winning mostly. They're winning too, but I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking I'm hot shit. I'm beating my friends. Big fish, small pond. So I went, I had the computer, so I went to IRC chat line because there was a chat line VF home, virtual fighter home. And I started chatting and a guy there tells me, oh, you're from Brooklyn, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you think you're good? Go to Chinatown Fair. So I went to Chinatown Fair with them and I thought I was good. And back then, uh, the, my BF friends and I, well, they weren't my friends then, but we became friends. They had two Astro Cities that belonged to them. With so, Virtual Fighter 4, so set in Versus. caps like this. Yeah, set up in Versus mode. I went there, Bob, and I got my shit pushed in so hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> that it, made, it made me reevaluate myself. And I was like, damn, I am not that nice. But it made me keep coming. And that's how I met all the friends in the fighting community. I kept getting my ass kicked, and I kept coming back till I got better Those and better moments, and better. So that's a, that's really what it's always what makes that's, you. That's that's you know where I, I mean? made Chinatown Fair was where I made all those arcade friends, all the people I know, Arturo, everybody, all those guys. I met them there. So you met the? I mean, the, some of these the guys that you're mentioning are some of the, the top players. The top now. guys in the. In, so you met there, them back then the when you were all kids going when to I, Chinatown Fair. When I was Fair. playing, well, more or less, that was like the mecca of fighting games like there was many small arcades because back then arcades were still pretty popular so you still had your pizzeria machine you had a machine in your bodega your your mom and pop video rental shop might have one your laundromat might have one so that was that was your local scene 
But if you wanted to really see how good you wear, Chinatown Fair was the place to go. So when I went out, when I went out there and I got my shit pushed in, it just motivated me to come more. And on top of that, it more or less like Arturo's not a virtual fighter player. I'm a virtual fighter player. But since that was the mecca, that's where all the machines were. There was virtual fighter, Street Fighter, Alpha 2, you know, Third Strike. All the community, it was a melting pot of all the communities. Like sometimes when I was waiting, when I put my quarter up, and maybe I was the fourth guy in line, I would go watch uh, um, Justin Wong and all those guys play. So it's, it's a small world yeah, as far as like awesome. the New York scene is. It's so funny because I really only met you guys just under two years ago now. Oh, yeah, and in the old shop, right? Yeah, it, it's just like wow. some of the stories I heard. Because uh, I grew up, um, I mean, I, I grew up at least two and a half I'm still waiting for you to hours. bring your friend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I met people over the years that were that good that, that did pop down at Chinatown Fair and they did go to the events. But I was always all over the place and everything. But I got a couple of friends that were always mega into this and I never... Like, you should bring them, man. It, it's so funny hearing the people that were there, like the other side of the story. Yeah. I heard my friends tell the story, and now I'm hearing you tell the stories. But well, that's that's literally there, that was you know? the central meeting spot for everybody that played fighting games in New York back then, when arcades was still something. Yeah. Now, more or less, what you're seeing now in here and in Next Level, at iFix and Next Level, is us who lived it, trying to keep that dream alive. That's, well, the re- that's the reason. Look, Bob, look how much work we put in. Cast yeah. fits, streaming equipment. We're trying to keep that authenticity because we still know that there is, there is people out there that still cherish that feeling. I mean, you love it. And I, I don't Hell know yeah. how many arcades you went to when you were a kid, but... Exactly what you described. The pizza place with the Mortal Kombat machine. The, the games. But the atmosphere is yeah. awesome. You would think yeah. that all the yelling and the cursing, because sometimes it gets that heated during a match. But it's, it's fun, you see, it's no, hype. No, that is the example that I like... use all the time. When I was, the first uh, Too Old Too Furious tournament that I went to, it wasn't the first one ever, it was, I mean, I, I'm trying to describe it without sounding cheesy, but like, <laughs> it was electric in the, the atmosphere, room. you could feel you, that shit. And if, it, like, even people that might not have understood realized that while everybody was right on the brink of popping off, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was positive. It wasn't negativity. It's no, not it like wasn't. It wasn't. you know. It's not like one of those times where you're like, "Oh my God, what's going to happen to my no, safe?" It's no, no, the no. The opposite no. of that. It no, was just, all the all the guys oh. that are there are pretty much guys who lived lived it in the arcades, yeah. and they, they they love that feeling. I mean, you saw the first one you went to. How many people were cooperating, bringing monitors, bringing equipment, bringing super guns, yeah. just to make the experience more authentic for everybody? I yeah. mean, you went to the first one, you were like, "Holy shit, this many PBMs in one fucking room!" Like, yeah. All it these was, guys know about RGB? It, it made me happy to have so many people in one place understand why it was important that they did that. Some people are just like, oh, I heard this looks better. I appreciate it. And that's fine. I'm not shitting on those people at all. But they're the, they're the people that drive you and I crazy. They're like, why are you using RGB? Doesn't that add lag? That guy right there. <laughs> that guy right there, the owner of the store. The owner of the store. When I modded the first, when we didn't have, before I had modded the first RGB TV, right? This guy right there, he said, he said, I don't know what you mean by RGB. And I'm like, RGB. And then he sees the first TV I modded, and he's like, oh, man, that shit looks mad good. So then one day, when we went to the first two old together, him and I, and we brought monitors and equipment to help, somebody brought a regular TV, and they had it on a super gun with composite. And right next to it was the same game on RGB. And I'm like, get your ass over here. <laughs> Can you tell now? It's like, holy shit. Not, yeah, yeah. So now he's RGB everything now. But before yeah. he was like, huh? 
I can't see it. I wanted to hit him with a two by four. You see it now, motherfucker? <laughs> ah! <laughs> so um, I'd obviously seen RGB before. I had the monitors and everything when I met you. I had the BVMs when I met you. But I'd never seen an RGB modded TV before. And the first time I saw it, I, I didn't grasp until I saw it with my own two eyes that it's essentially an arcade monitor. Yeah. And I remember the, when you invited me down. You invited me down no to iFix. I came down, I walked in, and I was just like, hold on a minute. Scott, you got to get down here and see this. <laughs> I remember walking in and seeing you by the TV, and you gave me a thumbs up. And I was like, holy shit, that must be good. I missed that TV. That was a shark that I modded, and this fool over there burnt it out. Aww. You know, because he used to be, all right, before, before like iFix moved or whatever, he used to have the weekdays, nobody came to play. But he would have the fucking TV on from opening to closing. I'm like, dude, there's nobody well, here. I understand Why the other side you? of that. And one day I came in and he was like, he's not turning on anymore. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah, but I completely understand the other side of that. Because you know how many people probably walked into that place to get their computer fixed okay. and were like, he, what he, is that? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. When I did the RCA, when I did the first one, you could ask him. I was sitting. He has a picture. I was sitting in the ledge of, you know how the old store had little stairs to go out? I was sitting in the ledge with the door open, and I'm working on the TV and modding it, and I didn't know that there was people staring at me from the outside. They stopped, and they were staring. They were taping me. They, they took pictures. They put that shit on, 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 what was it, Instagram? And that shit had thousands of views, and I didn't even know. I was like, That's what the hysterical. fuck? And a lot of people got nervous because they saw me. They saw me in one of the videos that he posted. He's like, oh, my God, he got his back, his head in the back of that TV, and it's open. Like how is it going that? Yeah. And what I was doing, what I was doing then, I was trying to find the sink because I tried feeding the sink as usual to the um to this uh, composite video pin, but then I, I was trying to try Luma because um when you mod those TVs, what happens is even though you're feeding composite sink like uh, C sync, if you're feeding it through the composite video, it still has to go through all the processing, the comb filter and everything. Yeah. So you get a little bit of horizontal shit. Yeah. And then they tell you, well, go to the service mode. And But even going to the service mode, it wasn't enough to compensate. You still had a line on the right. So I was like, I was like, my next thing was like, let me try Luma. Because Luma has no pro less processing in it. And sure enough, I tried Luma and the image just self-righted. Yeah, that's a really great thought because, still, I mean, the composite video is always going to have as much processing as possible because all those TVs are trying to make it look less better, shitty. Make it look better. So. Sometimes they would have, like, a digital comb filter. They would have three comb filters, like, to, to get yeah. that as best as they can. And, but, like, um, you got to hand it to the companies. The filters that they put in on some no, of those some TVs are good. were really look great. At, look at freaking, um... I had an, uh, a TV with RF input that looked... I mean, pretty close to composite. I know you've seen, I know you've seen composite on a, on a PVM and a BVM. It looks oh, yeah. great. That's amazing. They, they do a lot, a good job of making it look decent. But what was I going to say? Um, what I want to see, what I want you to do is get that D-series so I can mod it. Because I'm, I'm really curious to see how that D-series would look. Oh, so this what is, you're talking about is, is an 800-line, 36-inch JVC they have it in consumer grade TV. I yeah, believe... If we're gonna break our backs carrying like a million pound thing now, up the I love, stairs I love again. the Wii. I love the Wii. It always ends up being Wii. When, when this fucking cab had to go down the stairs, Wii. When it had to go up the stairs, Wii. No, actually, it wasn't Wii when it had to go down the stairs. It was actually, oh, oh don't worry, Jose. I, I have some people. And they were like, yo, these guys are pussies, man. They flaked out on me. They did. Can you, can you gather a crew to come down? And I'm like, yo, all right, fine, I'm coming. 
And I'm like, yo, Beast, right. get your ass over here. So I gotta, I, people may have heard this story before, and I got to tell it again because it's still kind of mind-blowing. When I messed my back up last year, almost exactly a year from now, actually, or a year ago, I had no feeling in my right foot, most of the no feeling in my right leg, and I'm hobbling around. I'm like, man, I got to go to the doctor. It's been a couple of days. This isn't normal. Because, you know, yeah, so I'm getting older, right? Away, yeah. Pain is fine. I'm used to it. I don't like it. I'm a pussy. I'd rather not ever feel pain ever. But, like, if my leg hurt for a couple of days, it's like, ah, whatever. But not feeling at all, completely numb, that was a little scary. And I finally got the, uh, the arcade machine delivered. And the guy said, oh, you know, we're professionals. You give us $350. We'll get it up for you. Just make sure you have a friend there to you know, help us hold the doors and everything. But that's what you pay us for. We'll do all the work. Okay. And then, like, a 65-year-old guy who was limping walks up with his son, who, who is strong, but not a big guy. So it ended up, me, with one working leg, pretty much, and Jose pulling this thing up the stairs one by one on a dolly with a kid three on the bottom three trying. Flights in, in, I thought yeah. I was going to die halfway up, and he was just like, come on, man up, we can do this. I'm like, damn it, you're right. Like, but going down was uh, better because we got beast in the bottom. And going down, I, I swore to was, him I would easy. not call him to get it out of there. <laughs> I swore to him. And then push came to shove, and I was just like, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. Oh, can was it the film crew in your office yeah, that was working there? Yeah, there was a film there? crew there. They said they'd helped, and they now didn't. We got you. When they the... saw the machine, they, they pussied out. Yeah. Bunch of 80-pound, 5'2 dudes. Like, yeah, no problem. I hope you move something. And so we called Beast, and that was quite a different experience, because it was pretty much Beast on the bottom of it. By himself, yeah. Taking it down. Like Bob's, 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 this is funny because Bob's <laughs> friend, who I guess he's a handyman by trade. He sees the cab and he's in the bottom with Beast, you know, trying to brace it down. And as soon as he sees the cab, he's like, no, 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 let's tie it up with a rope to the top. Just We're going to build a pulley yeah. system. And, and Beast was like, you know, get the fuck out of the way. I got this. <laughs> and he by himself, bah! bottom of the cab. I wish I got a video of it. He's just, he's walking it down the stairs yeah, yeah, one at a time. And he, Jose six, and I are at the top making sure it, it didn't go. Yeah. Fucking 700 pounds. And it's top heavy yeah. because of the monitor. That yeah, cracked me up. It's cool, It was man. funny. We got to the doorway of this building, and Beast, Beast was like, all right, cool. You guys got this. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you just carried it down a and flight of stairs. You can make it through the and door. Then, <laughs> and then that day I told Bob, yo, go. When you're moving that D32, don't even. No, no, don't, don't, don't. Forget my number. <laughs> that fucking D32, I never seen such a big monitor in my life. Like the so floor. when we go pick up the D36, <laughs> we'll bring Beast, I'll rent the van. It'll be the three of us lugging that well, shit Well, you haven't in. seen any, right? Uh, no, Somebody I've been on... Somebody posted one on the CRT Collective, but I don't think in, it's in the New York this area. Yeah. So the problem is, uh, and if anybody in the New York area is willing to help, I, I mean, I, a few people will have the opportunity to soon, but not now, in that there's a few consumer grade TVs. There's a certain model Sony, there's two certain model Sonys, there's that JVC, and I think there's an RCA as that well. That has a high line count? It's not just that it has a high line count. They're super high quality, they're huge, and they can definitely be RGB modded. So what I would like to do is start stockpiling these. And you know, there's no secret, the eventual goal is to start or contribute to some kind of video game museum, whether it's we take this place and blow it up and make it 10 times bigger, whether we collaborate. But I want to start stockpiling these things. And I want to try to get as many as possible together so that we can just start 
like, first of all, pull the boards out, and then we just sit there one day, you know, I'll buy a 30 case, and we just recap every board and every, and at least the consumer grades yeah. have less caps in them. Well, and then we go through, and that way we have a bunch of gigantic, really good quality CRTs. You know something that I realized, Bob, is that with a lot of these TVs, um, they're old, you know, they're pushing 20 years old, and when you get them and you RGB mod them, it might look great, but the geometry might be a little off because you're talking about 20-year-old caps. They might be on their way out. The deflection section yeah, you might really, need a recap. you got to so recap the whole thing. It's like thing. whenever I do mods, I like doing a cap list for said TV. While I'm yeah. in there doing the mod, why not do a cap list? Just yeah. in case that when you turn it on, you go to the service menu, you already got pretty RGB and you're trying to get it, but you can't quite get the geometry right. You know what caps are in there and you recap it. I wouldn't see why not. You already went in there. Why not? Why yeah. Not? And Hold funny you way. mention that, but Jose has been putting together cap lists for monitors and boards for BVMs and has been offered to donating them to the new website. Oh, the, the F1U? Yeah, we're sitting there for like an hour. So we have an E1U on the floor right now that... Um, yeah, it's, it, it's it does propping the, up the camera. It, does the, it does the overload light, more or less. And yeah. we already, um, I already tried uh, the pack kit on the deflection, and I believe it's deflection and the input board. I did yeah. that kit, but it's still overload, so now we're thinking it's the power board. And that's the thing, though. Once these things are done, like, uh, the crew that, that Jose rolls with and I tag along to, like a, like a happy little tag along, but uh, um, they don't hoard information. Whether it's calibration settings for an arcade monitor, whether it's you know the exact capacitors for each one of these, all of these lists now are going up on my site, and at some point are probably going to be shared I mean, that everywhere. That should be freely available anyway. It should, you know, it There's should no be one of those why things. Not to. I mean, it's a dying technology. There's no reason to hoard, you know, CRT. I, I, if anything, there should be more information available for people that are capable of, of repairing these things. Because it's a dying art, in my opinion. There's yeah. not that many CRT repairmen. Like, a, a real legitimate one, like, even if there's a, a TV repair shop, they they more likely than not have moved on to newer tech. Yeah. On, they probably don't take in CRTs anymore. It's not worth their time. In, in the age of the internet, there's no reason to have that hoarding information mentality anymore. And there's no reason to be like, Oh, uh, let's not tell anybody my secrets because I'm afraid they're going to steal them and, make, and work it for themselves or anything. That's that like guy that. right there. Ah. He's <laughs> the owner of the shop. So, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. And, uh, you know, I want to put it all out there. But like, when we finished this interview, I already did the, a list of um, the whole power board, everything. Even it has three daughter boards. Yep. And I did that too. So now what I want to do is I want to do the. I'll probably take the deflection and the input card at home and do a full cap list for it. I'm not saying that per se it's a favorable method of just replace everything. But for something that old, why not? Yeah. Alright, so it's uh it's starting to fill up in here a little bit more. Yeah, so cool. I got one more question wild. for you. Sure. And then we're gonna I mean, you know I'm gonna shove a camera in your face again at some point, so you're stuck uh you're stuck at some other You gotta point, do but. um you gotta do tech at some point. No, no, take it. Yeah, we already got one. Sorry, guys. But uh, the two things that I wanted to say is, you know, we talk all the time about this place, right? And I was very serious, or we're both serious, when we say there is a thousand-line BVM <laughs> propping up the camera right now. There's four candy cabs here. You know, five if you count the... Yeah, five if you count the half one. I mean, uh, like, this is why I love this place. And I get it. I totally understand that people aren't super into this stuff. If they were just like, oh, I used to play arcades a little bit. No disrespect at all. Go to a barcade. 
Go in, you have a beer, you can play a bunch of non-working machines, have working machines, you get that blast of nostalgia, it's all good. But if you if you love this stuff and you understand the difference, you gotta come to a place like this. And you know, you were a huge part of getting these we machines to how they were working. Uh, we maintained getting the, the, the streaming cast. set up. Yeah, that, like, that last machine. The last machine was a bitch. Yeah, that one, I don't know if it's in shot, probably not, but that one right there used to be uh, only, or the blue channel was the missing channel for was quite missing. a while. So so I guess, um, can you talk a little bit about your role in the arcade stuff in here? Oh, in the arcade stuff? And then, because I know you're always, uh, you know, you're on on, uh, on mic with a lot of the streams that come out of here. Well, I mean, not only was I, um, was I basically into the arcade stuff, but the name of this shop came from me because um, when we used to play at at um, Chinatown Fair, the two actual cities, anytime they would break down, I would fix them. Oh, so all the way back California, then? Yeah, so a guy from California played, came up to me, and um, we had a tournament once where we moved the machines up two Astro cities, three, three flights of stairs to a loft, rented in Manhattan, and then I built the super gun. I built, it's not a shot, but my super gun is there. I built the super gun so we would have an extra setup besides the cap for the tournament. So when I was setting it up, this guy from California play comes up and is like, oh look, it's this iFix machine. And, it <laughs> and it, ever since then it's stuck because I was iFix machine. I was the guy that always fixes the cabs. So being that I had that arcade experience from back then, um, for me it was nothing. When these cabs first came in, they didn't have any kick harnesses. I have a crimper, a scientific from Japan. It's like a $90 crimper. Oh yeah? So I crimped all the kick harnesses. I recap. So if you really want to think about it, these are Versus Cities. They have two 29 inch monitors each. So one P gets its own side, two P gets its own side. So I recap the total of two, four, six, eight, and with like 70 each. And then after a few months. So it was always since back then that I had all that arcade experience. I had a Naomi Multi that I did myself before a lot of people did. So now everybody just comes to me because I'm the only one that's willing and has the experience to get into a cab and change it too. Yeah, uh, well, one of the I first things though, one of the first things that I saw of yours was that device that you built that was... Uh, you broke out the signals from an arcade oh, yeah, board yeah. into was, the VGA um, distribution that was amplifier. Our that was our collaboration between me and Tech. So the reason that we have the best looking stream was because one day, Tech is a streaming extraordinaire. He's a yeah, freak. I'm going to interview He's him next. You got to interview him. <laughs> He's a freak of colors. Like, I never seen nobody like him. This motherfucker would... No, I'm I saw him I'm do serious. it one I'm time. serious, guys. I saw him do this, it. This son of a bitch, he would... <laughs> you would see him, like, he would pull up the grid, the color grid, He'll project it with a, with a program called uh, VMix that has a digital scope that shows you the, the, the video signal coming in. It'll show you what you're capturing, and then it'll show the, the levels of the colors on a graph. And this son of a bitch will project it to the wall, sit on the floor, looking up, and just adjusting by eye. And I'm talking by eye, no scope, no nothing. And he will get that shit looking amazing, amazing. So the adapter that we came up with was more or less, he, he came up to me and was like, Jose, you know, like, I like what we're doing, but I don't like splitting the video because it degrades it, right? Mm -hmm. The more you split it, the signal goes down. Yeah, you're and, dividing, and you're putting too much uh, draw on the chips. So, so long-term use, you can burn the chips out. So what he said is, I want to build, I want to build a, a, an actual, a true pass-through device. So he bought some fingerboards 
that I want to buy more because I want to make more adapters for the rest of the cabs. And what we did was, is we passed everything through except for RGB and sync. That, we took it out and fed it to a, uh, um, I mean, we obviously use resistors, cabs, and whatever to, to bring it out to a VGA cable. And then on the other side that actually feeds the, the, the cabinets, we broke that to another VGA. So now we're taking the video out clean as it's coming off the of the JAMA edge without splitting it, feeding it to a distro amp, an extra, uh, an extra amp. It's like a one to six. Then we're taking the other VGA to feed the cabs. So now everything is getting an evenly distributed signal. And then since it's a one to six, we grab another connection and send it to the OSSC to the stream. And more or less like that fool just sits there looking at the colors like this for hours. Uh. And and him and I we go back and forth because but it's just like jokingly like when we were at the old uh, too old it was funny because Art was laughing because Tech was by the computer with the color bars and I'm at the adapter and he's like let's scream a smidge a smidge <laughs> fuck go back and I'm like fuck you like we were like cursing each other out over calibrating colors uh. but I mean. We, we really, I was there for one of the King of yeah. Fighters tournaments, and mm -hmm. I saw him doing that. Yeah, and it, but it looks amazing. When yeah. when people watch that stream after he calibrates, they're like, what emulator is that? Like, they straight up say, what emulator is that? But that's the, the amount of effort and passion that's going into it. Because how many other places do you know that, besides being an arcade, have RGB monitors, everything in the store is fucking RGB, even the capture from the... It's yeah. like, the experience is there. Just like in Brooklyn Video Games. The only freaking shop... Yeah in the whole freaking New York and everywhere else that carries cables. RGB cables? RGB cables. They have a, um, they have the SCART breakouts. Yep. They have, um, SCART to BNC. They have RGB modded consoles by yours truly. They have uh, two GC duels. Yeah, and they have a setup daily, yeah, every to, um, day, that has to, uh, two a G -Scart with 14, two, uh, 14 L5s. L5s, that's L5s, right. Yeah. So you could actually walk into and the store, LCD, yeah, yeah. buy RGB so equipment, shout out to Brooklyn Video and see sure. a real RGB monitor. So. Well, um, it's starting to get a little crazy in here. Hopefully the noise isn't too bad for everybody. But uh, I'm glad we finally sat down and did this. We hang out all so the time, good. and I always threaten to shove a camera in your face. Now I did it. Um, I'd like to I'd like to chronicle a lot more of the work that you've done though because it's important. It's not like well, a, I saved all the models of the TVs I modded. It's not just that. I want to show. I want to go through and do a completely different video on how you do tube swaps of taking a busted ass consumer grade TV, taking the tube out, oh, and yeah. now making a mint condition Neo Geo cabinet one, out of it. The you last know? one you've seen the last one we did, and it looks amazing. And it was that's a there's a funny story behind that because. We hit up a whole bunch of people on let go Craigslist and it all fell through. So Nelson said, oh, why don't you guys just go to the to the recycling center here, President Street in, in Redwood. So we go to the recycling center and the first thing Steve does is he takes a curve for the consoles and picks up a whole bunch of consoles. I'm like, yo, like, let's go look at the TVs. We couldn't find anything in the area that they have for sale. So I'm like, yo, can we get in the back where all the broken stuff that's gonna get shipped off is? And we go, and there's like a 12-foot pallet already wrapped. So we found two TVs loose. But when I opened it, the tube were 27 inches. It has to be 25 inches. So we break the pallet. We take a TV. It turned out to be 27. We put the pallet back together. I'm wrapping it. I must have been with the shrink wrap, like in my 30th wrap. When I went left, and I see this shiny, sharp 25-inch, 
with the silver bezel, one of the later 2000 models. And I'm like, this is 25 inches. Give me, give me the tape. <laughs> so I, I go and I measure from diagonally, right? Yep. From the corner of the tube to the corner of the tube, I get a perfect 25. And Steve, I'm like, yo, Steve, I found one. And he gives me the look like, now nah, we're not breaking this shit. <laughs> and I'm like, Steve, Steve, I found another one. And he's like, okay, let me measure it. So he goes and he measures it. And he's like, no, 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 it's 27. I'm like, what are you doing? He was measuring from the bezel to bezel. Be oh, no. Instead of two. Two. I'm like, dude, yep. you're measuring from bezel to bezel. The bezel is not a part of the tube. It's just the bezel. Measure from the corner of the tube. It's like, oh, it's 25. So he reluctantly, we broke it down, took the pallet back apart because now this TV wasn't on the top. It was actually in the freaking middle, oh. of, the middle of the 20, 20, uh, 12 feet pallet. So we took it out, boom, put it to the side. So now we had two TVs. I wrapped it back up. We took it. And that same day, I replaced it. And it was a 2004 model. Now, the TV didn't function. It was basically one of those of the chassis break down, but the tube is still intact. And yeah. that's what you should know. When you get a TV, it doesn't matter if the TV doesn't work. As long as that tube is not busted, you can still use the tube because you yeah. want to use the arcade chassis anyway. So I went ahead and did the change. I had to do shit. I didn't have to do nothing. All the colors were perfect. Like, I pulled up the wow. color bars and everything So you just pulled showing. the neck board? Pulled the neck board on this one? No, yeah, but obviously I had, to, I had to repair the chassis. Yeah, I was going to say, you had to rewire tube, it, right? No, what happens with the tube transplant is a lot of times, right, the first thing you do is you make sure that it has the right neck connector, yeah. which is CR23 for the Neo Geo uh, stand-ups, CR23. So when I make sure that that was correct, then you go to the yoke. You, me you, you measure between, it's usually a, a yellow and a green wire for vertical deflection on the yoke. You measure the resistance on that. The blue and the red is horizontal. You measure that, and then you measure your tube, your new tube's yoke, the TV tube. And if it falls within two, three, sometimes four ohms difference, you can still use it. And then I had to prepare the, but on top of that, the, the yoke connector never matches. So I had to cut it and cut the other one and then take the arcade one and splice it and shrink tube it. Oh, all right, that makes more sense, yeah. And then on top of that, I have to take the, the, the chassis um, metal cage and transfer it to the new tube. And then on top of that, I have to take the, the arcade um, the arcade chassis. There's one cap, CR28, I think, you know, 38. C38, it's a Mylar cap. You have to switch it because if you leave the original, you won't get enough width to fill it up. But that tube, it was better than the first tube transplant I did because the other TV was a little bit older. Yeah, and that's the funny thing is a lot of these, I just having it. a it. tube with low hours it looked on amazing. It. Well, yeah. of course, think about the difference. TV tubes are used very sparsely because most people work, most kids go to school. So you come home after work at school, you turn the TV on. And then Even if that TV is on from the moment you get home to the moment you go to bed, it's what, six hours a day? Versus arcade machines that were 12 hours a day or sometimes broadcast monitors were just sometimes left on 24-7. Yeah. Three shift, play. a lot of the like CBS, ABC, I'm three hoarding, shift. You know I'm hoarding tubes now. Good. You, you talk about hoarding TVs, I'm hoarding tubes. Huh? Steve has a spare. Um, even though his two tubes are replaced, John from Tasty Chicken. Tasty Chicken. I, I love that place. I replaced his tube transplant too. He has another spare. And then um, on top of that, I have a spare. But the spare that I have on this Sammy cab, we have a Sammy cab that originally had a 25-inch tube. But I guess it died or whatever. And they replaced it with a 19. So that's for Beast. I have a tube waiting to put in there. Oh, Original awesome. 25 inch. So that's about it with tube transplants. But I mean, if you, the next one I do, matter of fact, when I do that one, film me and you can put it out there. That, um, I mean, just even the work between the distribution amps you guys build, the switching, I want to come back and do all of that stuff. 
I just, uh, you know, the only reason I don't just show up with a camera and do it is because it, it, it deserves more than that. It deserves sitting down many cameras at a time where there's not 100 people screaming and yelling. I don't even, I don't even want to take, even, take any more monitor work. Ever since, ever since I did that one for you, I mean, that's the first one I ever fully did. Like, if I recap a, a BBM, most likely pack kits are only going to include up to 20 caps of the most prone to fail. Yeah. I recap your whole PBM. I'm talking yeah. about the whole thing. The only thing that that kit doesn't include is a uh, power board. But the flexion, neck, and uh, everything else, yeah. and the main chassis, it was over 150 caps. Yeah. I did it over three days because I had to make sure that everything was right. I would take out like 10 caps and one by one. And obviously, I took all the baggies. I labeled them really big, 10 micro, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I screw them on the floor so I, it'll be easy reach. Yeah, I think that's the last point before I go that I want to make. Uh, well, did you the, see that? The How, two points. It, it made a difference. That's crazy. So the monitor I had was a, a 20M2U. That was in excellent, excellent condition. Except in side-scrolling games, they would kind of scroll like this. So it's, you know, geometry, number one sign of a, a, cap, or a yeah. cap starting to go. Uh, I sold it. Um, I sold it to somebody who has a true grasp and appreciation for quality. So he recaps the entire thing. Now, this is a monitor that I clocked. This was my first RGB monitor. Shout out to Phil. And uh, I have more hours on that monitor than I did on all my others combined, just because it was my first. I was fascinated when I saw it after he was done. I really couldn't tell. I thought it was a tube transplant. To me, it looked good when I recapped it, but I didn't bother turning it on before. I never seen it before and the don't recap. forget, I have hundreds of hours on this monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all, I, I was so I was know. waiting for you to tell me because I was like, dude, I personally, to me, after the recap, it looked excellent. I pulled up the grids, everything, right. and it, nothing was bent, nothing, everything was yeah. good. But it was your monitor, so I was waiting for you to see it and then tell me like, yeah, it made a difference. Cause so the point shit. number one, taking the time to do a full recap. And a to, to, three days. I mean, writing down all of the capacitors and doing it, you could breathe. It's almost like having a, if your you tube like is good, if your tube is good, it's almost like having a brand new monitor. But the second point I want to make is that I don't think, I think people that have recapped a Turbo Duo or a Sega CD or a Game Gear, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, but I think your average person that's done that doesn't really understand the difference between doing that and doing that on a PVM. I mean, it was, so you probably had three full days. So like 24 yeah, total hours. I had to take it off. I had to open it first and foremost. Open it, do the cap list, then go order, you know, no, double check that they're all there. And, you know. and the thing about it is, is taking it apart alone is a, is a lot of trouble. Because once you take off the shelf to undo like all the grounding straps, and all the screws that are there, and I was taking pictures of everything as I disassembled, so I remembered exactly where everything went. And then you finally get the chassis out, and you can start recapping, but the recapping is, is when it's that many caps, you have to make sure that every single one is facing yeah. to the right way. Like when I was doing it. Imagine that 24 hours of work and it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore because one, one cap's cap. backwards. Like I was literally, yeah. Bob, no joke, I was literally, I was, I was doing it by quadrants. So I started like with a, the yeah, left smart. square. Yeah. And what I would do is I would remove 10 caps at a time. I would desolder them, but I wouldn't pull them. I would desolder them from the bottom, put it back down. And then I would pull one by one, look at the cap, look at the, you know, whatever it is. And then I would get a bag with a replacement, throw the old cap in that same bag, take a new one out, 
and then I would put it in and then I would verify that it was the right polarity and then after I knew it was the right polarity I would mark it with a sharpie then go to the next one and repeat the same shit over and over again for those 10 caps and then go to the next and the next and the next and then even when I started no but when I finished soldering everything I flipped it over to click the caps and then on top of that I checked the board four different times in the bottom to make sure I had no missing joints no cold, no cold joints no pull pads no nothing and after I was done with that then more or less remembering how to put it back together and then you know the, the yeah. magic moment because I left it open I was like if it doesn't turn on I don't want to have to re-undo everything but thankfully like, it came back to life and I was like holy shit my first one <laughs> uh. Well, thank you very much yeah, for taking no the time to do this. Thanks to everybody watching for being patient. I know how noisy it is here. Well, yeah, we tried to get here early, but it just so happens. I mean, it's, you know, it's a holiday it's weekend. So People are blowing up. But you know, we're going to do a lot more of these throughout, you know, as much as we can. And anybody that wants to, please come down and really check this place out. Check out the New York scene Next in general. Huh? Next Wednesday is the meetup. I, I, hopefully this will be out before then. Um, sometimes these things take longer to edit than others. So hopefully this will be out before the meetup. But... So, yeah, thanks for thanks for everything, man. And yeah, we'll no fucking problem, man. we'll do this again. Sure. And uh, you know, I'll see everybody All next right. time. Later, guys.